Hello, I'm John Kane, and I welcome you to Let's Talk Native on this Tuesday, December 17th. While this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage and in some cases start conversations. We don't do prayers and we don't do buffalo speeches. We take a tough look at history, oppression, and survival. We talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity, and we may step on a few toes along the way. But our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. We will take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that is heaped upon us, and we do it all right here from the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. So let's talk native. But first, let me remind people that our audio streams at www.letstalknative.com. We stream video of the show on our Facebook group page via Facebook Live. We Our shows are available as podcasts after our broadcasts on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And we take the video of the show and we put it up on our YouTube channel, which is Let's Talk Native TV. So you can subscribe to our podcast and you, and you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also find us on, on Instagram at Let's Talk Native TV and on Twitter at Let's Talk Native. I am the host of Let's Talk Native and I am assisted here in studio by Jake Proud, who is managing our video and our sound. All right, now, uh, a week ago, we had a bit of a shortened show, uh, and I had a topic that I really felt strongly about, so I wanted to revisit it. And the topic that I talked about then was about um, influences and where we're getting most of our influences, not only for our kids, who are so impressionable, but even for us as adults. What is influencing, what is impacting how we live our lives, the quality of our lives, the, the the path. I mean, when we talk about decolonization or 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 being on that, you know, the proverbial red road or whatever else, what's really influencing where we are and where we're going uh, and the direction that we're taking to get there, so to speak. Um, again, a week ago, I talked about a lot of those those really powerful influences. Some of them that have completely knocked us off of. Uh, a path to, that really is a part of our identity. Church, for instance. Um, the American influences, citizenship, um, you know, Canadian, uh, American, uh, military service, um, school. I mean, these are things that have a tremendous amount of, uh, of influence on, more so than our native teachers, you know, our, the, the people that we think, uh, really can, can help us learn about culture and language and all of us all that other stuff, we are influenced by so many other things that those people, and, and I'd like to glue myself in that, those people, those of us who are trying to educate or at least uh, at least create you know, some better pathways to critical thinking, we're completely... Um, yeah, our, we are competing. <laughs> we, we are completely overrun by by all of the other cultural influences, everything that is, you know, all things American. Yeah. And the one, but the one of the things that I left out of, of that, uh, of that mix of the, of these things that have such a huge influence is the work that we do. And, and I don't know why I left it out because there may be nothing in our lives that take up more of our time that adjusts everything from, well, frankly, our, our income, <laughs> obviously, but, what we do with that income, you know, and you know, and of course, who, what we do for a job, what we do for you know, for sustenance, for for income, also can place us in 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 an environment where you know, look, there may not be any other native people even there, you know. So we're not necessarily working with our own people, 
So we're working in areas, and I even speaking for myself. Look, I go to New York each week. Not a whole lot of native people I'm running to running into in New York. Now, and I'm not saying that there aren't some experiences that I get from the people that I that I meet along the way. But when you think about what we do on a daily basis, I mean, look, if you if you if you go to work every day and you do your nine to five or whatever, you do your eight, ten, twelve hour shift. That's all that time is away from your family. All that time is away from from that path, right? All of it. And that job also has a tendency to to make you compromise not just your time that you spend with your family, but look, you're doing this for money. Many people are doing jobs oftentimes that they hate for money. So they're they've already compromised a huge part of their happiness for the paycheck. So, you know, and then when you think about you know, how much the pursuit of that paycheck, you know, look at you know, look at look at some of the the immorality associated with you know with where 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 wealth is gained. I mean, the whole idea of you know you know people who cheat each other, people who are selling something and trying to get the maximum dollar for what they're selling, whether it's, the, whether it's for their labor or whether it's for the products that they produce or whatever else. Yeah, and look, you know, the the system of capitalism is rife with, you know, with, with all kinds of uh, abuses. I mean, and all kinds of ethical and moral questioning. I mean, when you go to, when you go to uh, college and you study business, you know, get a business degree, one of the areas that, that most schools spend a great deal of time, they talk about morality and ethics. Because, <laughs> because at some point along the line, you better know what is immoral and what is ethical if you're in business. And, and I guarantee it, you're going to, you're going to be asked to cross that line. So when I think about all of these things, and, I, and I'm not going to dwell on some of the stuff that I talked about a week ago, but they're all there. I mean, who's educating us as adults? Who's educating our children? You know, and again, we can, you know, church has a, has a, has had a huge impact. I would dare say, if you look on most Native territories, there are more Christians uh, in, in almost every Native territory than there are people who have any kind of traditional cultural leanings. I mean, and I don't want to make, you know, treat Longhouse as a religion or, you know, or, or, or frankly, any of it. I mean, the Choctaw Nation, they, they did a, a tribal council resolution declaring that the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma is a Christian nation. They got these huge billboards when you drive. I mean, it's, you know, so you can't say that there's not influence there. And, and I don't care how many powwows you host. I don't care how many, you know, how much, how many language programs you have or cultural programs. If you at your core have adopted a you know the very religion that was used to subjugate our people in the first place as you're somehow your national religion wow that's that's disturbing but again i'm not i'm not going to go over all the, all that again but getting back to education in general how we are educated where do we get where do we get most of our knowledge about who we are we i mean we don't get it from school i would say and in my experience, most of what I learned, I learned as an adult, not as a child. And even still, I look at children, and they aren't getting the dosage of this stuff. You know, my grandson just today, he says, you know, Grandpa, I, I, you did a show 
uh, a while ago, and you said they don't teach anything about the Sand Creek Massacre, and we we talked about that in school. I said, I said, yeah, when was it? Where was it? Uh, who was the president at the time? And, and he couldn't answer any of that stuff. I said, well, you, I'm glad you talked about it, but you really don't know anything about it because whatever you talked about didn't leave enough of an impact for you to have a full understanding of what the, what the brutality was and, and the context. I mean, one of the things that, that frustrates me about the way the way history is told, everything is, t- is talked about as this in their own little silos. There is no context for what Native people were, were experiencing during the Civil War. You know, so when people think about Abraham Lincoln, they only think about him as the, as the president during the Civil War and then being assassinated. They don't think about the Sand Creek Massacre. They don't think about the, the execution in Mankato, Minnesota and, and tie any of that stuff to him. No, they don't. Well, then there's no context to it. So the way we're educated uh, is, is really what we talk about socially and we only fit it in between career, it, it, again, you know, a post, uh, you know, post secondary education, and all that stuff. So we, we, this is. So when I'm talking about the influences, how do we step that up? How do we create a better mechanism so we can challenge what our kids are being taught, and so we as adults can be encouraged to think more critically, because we aren't either. You know, trust me on this one. Look, I bring up a lot of issues that are uncomfortable for people. And you know who they're the most uncomfortable for? Tribal counselors. Or, I take it back, not just tribal counselors, even the so-called traditional counselors. I make those people uncomfortable because of the things that I I bring up. And look, and I'm only bringing them up. I'm not causing these issues, right? I mean, but it makes people very uncomfortable. Look, I got into a, a... you know, a drawn out battle with Suzanne Harjo because I had the nerve to use the word genocide as it was associated with, you know, uh, with the U.S. and Canadian government trying to force us to uh, be U.S. or Canadian citizens just so we can travel internationally. We get into, the, in, into this long conversation. So I made her uncomfortable enough that she wanted to challenge me on a listserv that had some pretty prominent Native people. Some of them who willingly and begrudgingly had to take my side on the issue or just try to back away because they knew what she was saying was indefensible. So, so again, this, this is what I'm talking about. We don't have, I mean, look, we don't have the books. I mean, I'm not saying there aren't well-written books. I mean, Stephen Newcomb's book, Pagans in the Promised Land, uh, Roxanne Dunbar Ortiz's uh, books, and, she, and she's got a whole bunch of them, but including an indigenous people's history of the United States, uh, 20, um, uh, all real Indians are, uh, are all all real Indians died off, and twenty other myths about uh, Native Americans. I mean, th- those are just two examples. But there's a lot of books out there. Uh, Thomas King's book, uh, the uh, the uh, inconvenient um, uh, Indian. Um, oh, Vine Deloria books. So, I mean, there's there's a but we don't use them in our day to day, and we sure don't use them to 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 specifically look. If you read a book. And you don't discuss it, then you didn't get very much out of the book. I mean, because the value in in reading something is to pick is to pull apart. And I don't mean criticizing it, but but finding something in a book that you can discuss with somebody. I mean, that's why what I talk about. We start and we encourage, and, and in some cases, start conversations. I mean, there's almost nothing that I'm going to say here that somebody else hasn't already said. 
Ah, uh, maybe a few things. <laughs> but, but there's almost nothing here that I say that is a completely original thought. And in fact, we have had p- people saying some of this stuff for generations. But the problem is they don't resonate enough that we start to take actions to make sure that not only do we have these conversations, but we take these conversations and then apply them to expand our, our you know, our, our wealth of knowledge. And this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the influences. And look, obviously the other huge influence, but again, none more than what we choose to do for our career is, is the media. And the media includes everything from Hollywood to, you know, radio to, uh, um, the, the YouTube videos that we watch, the internet, the, uh, um, television, obviously. I mean, these, we get all kinds of ideas from watching, from entertaining ourselves or even believing we're educating ourselves by going to these movies and, and, and watching what somebody else is producing, most of which is not produced by native people. And frankly, some of, some of that, some that is produced by native people doesn't always have the financial support or the, um, uh, when I say financial support, that support is needed for for research, um, as well as for whatever you know uh, production costs you need. So there's a there's a lot that has to go into this stuff to be really effective. I mean, look, we do what we can with with the resources that we have, but look, we look, we don't have a hundred thousand dollar budget to spend on a uh, on a documentary, you know, or or thirty thousand dollars to spend on a YouTube YouTube video. No, we don't. So we do what we can. But see, we don't even we don't even try to create uh, the support for for you know even shows like this. I mean, we don't. I mean, when I think about the money that some of these tribal councils or, or traditional councils, Onondaga Nation spent something like twenty million dollars. I and and that might be grossly un, uh, uh, underestimated. You know, to do this this stupid. Um, greenhouse thing they call it plantagon i mean they spent that was 20 million dollars of onondaga money they also solicited um donations for years i mean uh, uh, one of the biggest ponzi schemes ever they they all they bought into the swedish technology and what do they have they, they got a bunch they, they just filed bankruptcy last year they had to bankrupt the idea tens of millions of dollars can you imagine the resources or, you know or what you could have done with with, with tens of millions of dollars in resources for for education, for for our own you know media, I don't mean just to you know push Let's Talk Native over the top. Although I am accepting donations, uh, but but I I just mean all of it. I mean doing 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 video shorts, documentaries. But we could have we we could have created a a tremendous opportunity to educate and expand some of these conversations. And look, the idea of try, trying to chase down some means for producing food sounds all great. Unless it's a scam, like Plantagon was. And and I'll tell you, we spend lots of money on our sports programs, and I'm not, you know, I, you know again, there's another $20 million Onondaga spent, you know, because they wanted to be, you know, the, 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 set, all, the, the center of the universe for lacrosse. But you know what? <laughs> We're not all lacrosse players. And we're not all lacrosse players all the time either. But we all do have to, we have to eat. And we do have to educate our young. And not just how to throw, you know, not, not, not just how to hit the five hole. I mean, we have to do more. 
And and I'm, again, I'm not trying to pick on Onondaga. Look, Seneca Nation, the amount of money that they spend on, uh, you know, ungodly amounts of money they spend on white people. I mean, just, just how much money they're spending on lawyers, on lobbyists, how much money they spend on campaigns for, uh, for the non-native politicians. Yeah. And it's not just the Seneca Nation. If you look across the country, how much money you know, these various native territories and peoples spend, tribes, if you want to call them that, spend on campaign contributions. And you know what? It is the, it is the, the height of, of, of lunacy. Because if you were going to throw $100,000 to the Democrats and $100,000 at the, at the Republicans, you didn't even buy political favor. They don't, they don't, they're not going to do anything special for you if you're still supporting the other side. As far, I mean, there's nothing more polarized than American politics. So, I mean, the idea of throwing money at both parties is like, that's just throwing money away. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's insane to me. And, and those kind of influences, they do nothing for us either. But we keep going down that path. See, that's what I'm talking about when, when I say we're influenced by the, the outside governments. Look, we, we talk, we've talked about gaming a lot on this show. We had the right to do gaming. Before the Supreme Court ruled in a California case, before they passed the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act, we had the right. Those things didn't give us the right. But you know what it did? It made us follow um, like sheep. It made us go down a path that they laid out for us and said, okay, this, this is how we're going to allow you to do gaming. Now, they couldn't disallow us to do gaming because when they tried that, it went to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court ruled in favor uh, of the Cabazons. So they couldn't disallow it. But what it is, they, they try to say, well, this is what we're going to consider legal. So everything else could stay gray enough that it would have been hard for us to have, you know, obviously to finance our, our, you know, our, this industry. It would be, it would have been hard for us to, to get vendors who would be, uh, you know, worried about whether they're risking their vendors licenses in, say, Vegas or, or, or other state or, or, you know, state or, or provincial markets. No, it's, again, we're allowing them to influence us. I mean, Seneca Nation paid a billion and a half dollars uh, to to the state of New York. I don't know if the Seneca people could say that they saw a billion and a half dollars. That's how much influence. That's how how badly we are being shaped by state politics. And you know what? And not just by the state politics, by our own consultants and lawyers and and lobbyists. They all let, lead us down that path. So the reason I bring all this stuff, and, and I know I, I I talk about a lot of the stuff. In, in various other, you know, when I'm talking about these these issues, I bring up some of these same issues too. But the reason I bring it up is because it just makes me frustrated to think how little we are investing in our future. And I don't mean future money-making. And, you know, again, look, we've got programs to help us get jobs out there. We have programs that'll, you know, you, you know, get us into the unions. We have programs that'll, you know, help us. Uh, look, we have native territories that help try to recruit people into the FBI or into the military, all that stuff. But that's not for us. I mean, so this is exactly what I'm talking about. We aren't doing the things that we need to invest in us. Because here's the bottom line. And and, and it gets me, this gets me back to the whole idea that our work, our careers, our, our jobs are so overbearing I mentioned this before in the past but let me let me say this again the, what the 40 hour work week is attributed to the um uh to to unions to having 
really scale back how our labor could be exploited. And when I say our, I mean all of us who are, who are working stiffs uh, in general. So the unions fought for a 40-hour work week and then time and a half or anything over 40 hours and, you know, and, and over 60 hours, you know, double or, you know, triple time, whatever. Um, weekends off. I mean, all of this stuff, vacation, all uh, some of the things that we take for granted. But think about this. So when I was a kid growing up, my father could, you know, go work as an iron worker, put, put in eight hours, come home, and he could support a family of five or six of us. How many people can do that now on a 40-hour work week? None. None of you can. Unless you got some some really cushy $100,000 an hour, uh, $100,000 a year job um that and that still doesn't take so much of your time that you that you that you can spend time with your family and most of you don't have that job. Most of you don't. And those of you who do, you just fell into it. <laughs> because if you're only making, you know, $600 a week, you're struggling. And I remember when $600 a week seemed like a lot of money. But I mean, if you're making $600 a week, you're struggling. So you got to do more. So you got to work overtime or you got to work a second job. So rather than taking the work that the, the unions claim to take credit for, which was creating the 40 hour work week and, and somehow getting us to a place where we maybe we trim that down to 30 hours a week. Hell, we've, um, we were, we're, we're working more than 40 hours a week now. So that good work of the unions, you know, 30, 40 years ago, it's gone. It's gone. Now our lives are dominated by trying to create a paycheck each week. Because that's how we measure success. That's how we buy all the crap that we need to buy. I mean, that's... And and again, after I did that, that shortened show a week ago talking about influences, I, I don't know how the hell I could possibly leave out our our jobs. Look, we're, we're almost at the bottom of the hour, so here, here's what I'm going to take a break. When I come back, I want to talk about what I think are some, frankly, some meaningful solutions, some some other ways that we are at least something we should begin to wrap our heads around. And I've talked a little bit about this before too, but 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 I want to bring it into the context of how we, again, how do we strip away? How do we unravel and untangle ourselves from the oppression of colonization? I mean, how do we do it? I mean, we talk about decolonization, but what does that mean? And, and you know, oh, we got to decolonize our mind. Yeah, we got to decolonize our mind, which means we better think about how we're going to decolonize our bodies and our lives. Because freeing your mind does nothing if you don't free your body to go along with it. So when we come back, I want to talk a little bit and um, a little bit on how we 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 recenter this thing and and how. On our in our communities, and this almost ties to my to my last week uh, show, as a matter of fact, how we have an opportunity to change the model, because the model that that I mean, look, the funding mechanisms that we're using now aren't working for us. They don't work for anybody. I mean, they may be you know patting the wallets of you know you know Jeff Bezos and you know and you know, Warren Buffett and Elon Musk and these guys these guys might be doing really really well, and off of our labor but we're not doing very well we're not doing very well and i'll tell you we are all living incredibly dangerous and tenuous lives because we're so much dependent on the system that is you know that would take very little to topple i mean the economic system the global economic system 
is operating on lines of credit, not on, even on, on real resources, not on real currency, not on real, um, uh, you know, precious resources or, you know, or gross national product, none of it. It's, it's operating on something that could, that could crash. And let's take it back. Something that will crash. It's done it before. You know, people don't understand just how dangerous, you know, 2008 was. Well, we're the the world, the global economy is much more vulnerable today, and the American economy is perhaps among the most vulnerable at, at this point. All right, we'll take a break and we come back and we'll talk about some ideas uh, or direction that we need to go in. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Sitting by the phone, waiting for the ring. The clock stays. My next move. The hands move, but not for me, it seems. To be the norm these days, staring at the wall, waiting for the fall. When I get there, I know it will be. And the days go by. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. And uh, before I get right back into it, let me uh, um, thank our sponsors. Uh, Let's Talk Native is sponsored by uh, Ross and Holly John and the RJE family of businesses, Eric White and ERW Enterprises, um, the good folks at RJE, or I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, GRE, Grand River Enterprises, and a Native Wholesale Supply, um, and a few others. A few others from who from time to time will you know put a check in the mail or... And look, I even have a few people do the PayPal thing. And I do have the PayPal uh, link, the PayPal me 
Let's Talk Native um, uh, link posted up on my uh, Facebook page. You can find it. Uh, maybe I'll refresh it so you guys can find it easier. But um, that's. But mostly, I've, I know, I've got three major sponsors and then, then a few people who do something from time to time that helps out, and uh, and it does help out. So I appreciate that sponsorship. I also appreciate those of you who share the show, and I know mo- many of you are doing it now. Our, um, our Let's Talk Native uh group pages is, is really closing on 8,000 people. So we're, we're growing it out, um, you know, quite a bit. And I know more and more of you sh- are sharing the show, um, with, with your friends and your relatives and that kind of stuff. And my wife in particular, she, she shares the, the Facebook live stream of this show, uh, on a bunch of group pages. And that's how many of you get a chance to see it. So, um, share the, uh, the podcast, share the, the YouTube videos. Um, you can again, find us on Instagram at let's talk native TV, uh, Twitter at let's talk native and of course, our um, uh, uh, YouTube channels. Let's talk native TV as well. Um, look, b- uh, before I get into it again, let me. Uh, I also want to mention I am going to New York this week. Uh, my show uh, has been restored back to its two-hour uh, time slot, which is three to five p.m. on Thursday. Um, I'm going to debut uh, one of my new um, <laughs> one of my new shirts. Uh, so look forward to that. It's it's something you the, the shirt that I'm going to wear for um, for Thursday. Isn't one that's available, at least not currently. We'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see what kind of response we get. But, um, uh, and, and I'm going to talk a little bit about the, the mascot issue, uh, in, in New York. I want, look, there's a way to put that, this stuff in perspective that, that tackles not just racism, but, you know, tokenism, um, exploitation, all of it. And, and so we'll talk about that a little bit in New York, uh, for let's talk with john kane um on wbai in new york city um that show if you're in the new york city area it's 99.5 on the fm dial that's wbai you can also listen at wbai.org and of course we uh we stream that show on our youtube uh, or on our uh, facebook group pages uh as well so you can find us on, on facebook as well all right you know as i said before the break there may be nothing that um that influences our lives more than what we do to earn a paycheck. And, and a lot of the influences of that, I mean, look, we make a lot of moral compromises for that paycheck. Not only do we, we compromise our time with our family, which is a, which is a moral issue by itself, but frankly, some of the stuff that we do, I mean, we do to make money. And I'm not just, I, look, I'm not talking about just drug dealing or prostitution or anything. I'm not even talking about the nefarious stuff. Even the stuff that's supposed to be somewhat honorable. There's, I mean, there's stuff that we sell. Um, I mean, there are, there are companies that we support and we work for that we know are not necessarily treating employees right or consumers right. There's, a, there's a lot of compromise that we, we, that we make. But, um, um, but I want, I want to talk about something that I, that I have talked about before, which is how do we begin? at least at the community level to break some of that mold so that we aren't looking at, you know, a hundred families in, in, in just a, a community, for instance. I mean, just a, talk about a hundred families that, that out of that hundred families, we don't have, you know, all the mothers and all the fathers out there working, you know, 40 or 50 or 60 hours a week. Well, I mean, I, I the, the first thing that, that anybody's going to say is, well, that's how much you have to work to, to earn enough to pay for everything. Well, maybe that's what we have to do. We have to look at what we're paying for. So if we do produce a certain amount of food, if we can take food out of the equation, so we're not working to feed ourselves. I mean, just think, if we could take that off the table, if we could 
trade off a certain amount of the labor that we sell, of our, our physical labor, we sell to somebody else so we can buy food, to working as a community to, to, to supply food. Well, that would be more wholesome. That would be more traditional. That would be more, that would be better for our family, a better quality of life. And, and of course, it would also be better food. So that's one thing. And, and look, I'm not saying everybody in the community is going to do this, but what if a, if, if a segment did? What if some of the other things that we spend money on? Uh, a car. I mean, I look, uh, leave it on the native territory. Not only do we have two running cars in each driveway, but we probably got about a half dozen that aren't running in, in every driveway. I think I've got, I got three in my, in my house. So what if we could begin to eliminate some of that? What if we did more ride sharing within within a community? What if we didn't have to have? What if ever? Frankly, what if we could actually get to the point where nobody had to own a car, or only a few people did? You know, and uh, I mean, in places like New York City, you you could live your entire life and never have and never get a license. I mean, because of mass transit and that kind of stuff. But there, there there's ways to get around. We don't need mass transit because we're not um, we're not a massive population. We need the kind of transit that we can get ourselves, you know, from point A to point B. You know, whether it gets to the clinic or 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 if again, if we have to go buy something, hopefully not food because we're already taking care of that by producing our our own food, right? And look, I realize we're not going to produce every stitch of food that we put in our mouths, so we're still going to buy some, you know, some some things. But again, we can bring some of that local. Well, we we could do a um, you know. A, a cooperative market, grocery market, a grocery store, uh, not just a, a farmer's market, but we could, do, we could do food co-ops. We could do all kinds of things, right? And you know what? That food could actually be tied to the ride-sharing stuff. You know, just like they got Uber Eats, right? Isn't it what they call Uber Eats or something like that? Yeah. So, I mean, if we could take care of the major costs that we have associated with, with, with food and transportation by... Having a more community approach to it. Okay, what about the, what, what's the other thing we pay for uh, a lot for? Well, our housing. Look, I, I, I've got a pro a project that I've been you know dabbling with for you know for now over a year anyway. Um, the idea of building a tiny home. You know, what if we we change the idea? I mean, and, and I and my idea is that I could build a quality home for less than thirty thousand dollars. And you know what? And if I had people pitching in. So if it was a community effort, we could probably get a, get ourselves into into quality homes that we could add on to. We could you know do do them almost as modular units that that could be you know put together or, or taken apart as our family grows or separates. I mean, we could do this or do it in such a way that that we can recycle so much so much of it. So if we as a community we dealt with housing, transportation, and food. What else is left? Well, of course, we got to heat the house and that kind of stuff. Well, and the energy, right? Well, but even energy. If we dedicated ourselves more to you know to some solar roofs or you know small windmills and that kind of stuff, I mean, I realize we, we're still going to have to buy gasoline and that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, for our, our vehicles or you know even if they are you know. But look, I know what I, the stuff that I'm talking about seems bizarre, and and I know that there are people listening saying. There's no way in hell that's ever going to work. But you know what? Things like this are working in some places. And frankly, this would work with with our cultural background. And look, this isn't communism. 
in, in this, you know, red scare sense of the word. It is, it is more communal. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to suggest is that we have to do something that changes the quality of our life. And you can't change the quality of life, of your life, if you're chasing a paycheck every week. So what if we, we, we got to the point where, all right, we're only going to work for a paycheck, say 20 hours a week or less. Because we can, we can get the other things that we need from the community. So look, maybe you make, you know, uh, 15 or $20 an hour, but you only work, you know, 20 hours a week. And the rest of the time, you're, 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 maybe you want to call it work, whatever, but you're, you're working with your own people in your community. And you're doing the stuff that's good for your kids. You know, all of a sudden daycare isn't an issue anymore because you're only, you're only, you're only, you know, selling your labor to somebody else for 20 hours a week. We can do that within our community. I mean, I've talked about, you know, not just with using our, uh, our, our teens, um, teen girls for like babysitting clubs, but, but daycare. Look, I, I said this before. Things aren't going well. And I don't mean for us. They're not going well for, look at, look at the United States. Look at the mess that's, ha- that the United States is right now. I look, I understand the stock market is soaring over 28,000 and it's going to crash, folks. And you know what? The rich people don't really lose money. That's just, that's numbers on a paper. They got, they got plenty of, you know, disposable income. They don't, they don't lose anything, but that'll be the excuse, right? Run on banks. All kinds of stuff can go wrong. I mean, the social unrest in the United States, the, the hate between the right and the left, between the black and the white, or the, or the white and the brown. <laughs> I mean, the, the tensions that exist in global conflicts. And, and again, within, again, this, this sense of nationalism. Look, there is a lot of trouble brewing. This is, the world right now is a tinderbox. Forget, I'm not even worried about nuclear strikes. I'm not worried about that kind of stuff, although it's still, that's all still out there. You got to be worried about whether somebody, you know, loads up with a, you know, with a couple of automatic weapons and, and starts shooting, shooting up a school for crying out loud or a synagogue or a grocery store or apparently even a cemetery. And, so your biggest threat is not whether there's a nuclear holocaust. Your biggest threat are the tensions that are homegrown right within the areas that we live. Look, I can I can drive right now 5 minutes and see a Nazi flag hanging on in somebody's uh, somebody's fence. I I can drive 2 minutes and see Confederate flags flying all over the place. Of course, here on the native territory, <laughs> there are more American flags flying than there are Seneca flags or or Hyatt Belt flags or, or anything else. Because people have have lodged themselves into these social silos, these political silos, into these areas where where loyalty and patriotism trumps all else. It trumps humanity. And people are willing to kill. Nobody's willing to die. But people are willing to kill for it. I mean, I know everybody's. Oh, yeah, the brave, those brave soldiers who put their life on the line. All that. yeah, not not for our freedom. They put their, 
do they really put? I'm not saying that their lives aren't at risk for what they do, but I don't think a soldier or a police officer or a firefighter, I don't think any of them take those jobs expecting to die. They take those. I mean, you know, the first responders. You know, and I include police, but but um, uh, ambulance, uh, EMTs, and and firefighters. Look, they're they're hoping to save people. Yeah, and and they 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 put themselves at risk to do it. But but again, we we get all caught up in this, into this rhetoric, and into these debates, and into these arguments over heroism, uh, heroism, and and patriotism, and uh, and and again, nationalism. Look, I, I'm not suggesting that native people are are better human beings that we are superior but but we have gone through so much and if you look at where where our culture comes from we are in a better position to change i mean the systems the systems of our lives and i don't mean just return i don't mean turn the hands of the clock back i'm not saying let's go amish and and you know pretend we live, live like we did 100 years ago I'm not saying that'd be a terrible thing, but I'm not saying. I mean, our experience 100 years ago wasn't a good time for us, so that's not where I want to go anyway. But I think we can take things from our from our cultural past and apply them to now and to the future to raise the quality of our life. And, but again, getting back to the original topic of the tonight of tonight's show, we've got to start shedding ourselves of some of the influences. I'm not saying we shouldn't be aware of what's on the news or what white people are, are you know, or, or non-native people are, are, are teaching. By all means, go to the movies, listen to the radio, listen to music, and but don't let that shape your lives. And you know what? Let's make sure that we support our native artists, our uh, filmmakers, our theater, uh, our, our playwrights, our musicians, our artists. That's what I'm saying. Because, I mean, one of the reasons I play so much Murray Porter is Murray is a perfect example of somebody who who brings in our issues into music. So it's yeah, it's entertaining, but it's also educational, and that's the commitment that we should have. Everything that we do, whether it's producing the food that we eat, or whether it's um, how we interact with each other, you know, again, whether it's, whether it's transportation, whether it's home building, whether it's you know, community building, whatever it is, whether it's education our kids, we should make sure that we're bringing in something from our past that that you know that connects us. Right? Look, we do the ohundo gorio the The whole idea of doing that is to remind us of our relationships. But if we just rattle that off for twenty minutes, as I do, or or you know, some people. Can do it and take 40 minutes or four hours. I don't know. If we rattle all that stuff off that we're thankful for and then don't do anything that proves that we are, if we talk about relationships and then as soon as the words come out of our mouths, they, they get put away, we need to rethink not just the language, not just the, you know, are we speaking English or Seneca or Mohawk or whatever else, not just the language, but the words in any language that we're using. We need to rethink how we 
characterize ourselves, how we conduct ourselves, how we live our lives. And if we don't, we are as vulnerable as, as, as any American family, any Canadian family, any European family. Uh, look, we live in areas that can support us. I mean, look, if you, if you, you I go to New York City, I'll, I'll go on Thursday. Those people are screwed. 10 million people? Shit, they'll, they'll, be, they'll, they'll be eating their young. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how they're going to survive if calamity, I mean, not just climate change, but economic crisis, social unrest. Look, the tensions in New York City are incredible. Every, you know, Black Lives Matter, you know, police violence, gentrification. I mean, all of the, 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 the look, this last shooting was, um, what do they call those guys? The something Israelites, the, you know, the black Israelites, the, those two guys who killed those folks in Jersey, they were tied to the black Israelites. Those are the guys that, um, our people were in this, you know, war of words with in front of the Lincoln, um, memorial. When uh, when uh, Phillips and um, and that little MAGA hat, you know, kid, you know, had their face off and that kind of stuff. I mean, the tensions and and the anger and the vitriol, and look, we can get sucked into it. Look, I, I'll I, I'll confront racism, but I'm not going to confront it by killing anybody. I'll confront it because I want people to understand what racism is, and they don't. They don't. I mean, so when I, I mean, I get into a battle even with my, my white skins t-shirt. Oh yeah. You're just trying to make two wrongs, make a right. You don't even understand. If you, if you think us producing something that's a parody on their appropriation is two wrongs, making a right. You don't, you don't even understand what racism is. I mean, you just, you just don't understand it. So, but I, the reason I think we have to understand it is so we can teach our kids to recognize it because look if you don't understand where the vulnerabilities are if you don't understand the tensions that are building up i I, i'm gonna tell you as a parent i thought i could shelter my kids from this i've said this before on the show i thought i could shelter my kids from from being victims of racism now i'm gonna take it all on myself and i'll make sure that i don't ever allow my kids to be treated in such a way what was that a mistake because you know what? They experienced it anyway. But rather than me preparing them for it, I sheltered them from it. So they were totally on their own. And I'm not saying, you know, when, when my son had to confront it, for instance, or my daughter had to confront it, I'm not saying they didn't do okay, but I failed as a parent to prepare them for it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fail to prepare my grandchildren for it. That was a that was a lesson learned for me. But again, I don't have the the luxury of of having the time with my grandkids that that a school teacher does or a school system does or the internet does or television does. You know, or the politics. I mean, I went to my grandson's basketball game tonight before before doing the show. And we got to stand there for that Star Spangled Banner. And everybody with their hands on their hearts and that kind of stuff. And, you know, and, and nobody even understanding what the words mean. It's, it's just a, it's a ritual. Rituals 
are dangerous because they are thoughtless actions. Yeah, let me say it again. Rituals are dangerous because if you don't understand what you're doing, or if you have this twisted view of, of, of that you're doing, pledging allegiance to the flag, what the hell does that even mean? We're teaching five-year-olds to do that stuff. Our five-year-olds are being indoctrinated and stuff, and are, are we breaking it down for them? I mean, even even I'm I'm more I sometimes worry. Well, I'll, I'll wait till they're a little older. Should I? Should I wait? Or should I confront it directly? Understanding that if I confront it with my five-year-old grandchild today, they're gonna they're gonna undergo they're gonna live with tension because of, because they go to the school because we're not educating our kids ourselves. Which again, if we became more of a community and we started taking more of that responsibility, if we weren't working forty hours a week or even twenty hours a week. If we were working within our community cooperatively, the teachers can teach, the farmers can farm, the mechanics can, you know, repair and you know recycle and reuse, refurbish. The home builders can build homes. We can en- encourage our, our you know uh, uh, mid midwifery as they call it, midwives. We could we could start. Um, revitalizing our use of traditional medicines look are we going to have answers for everything well i'll tell you if we fix our diet we'll fix half of what we we go to the clinic for we do some things that you know give us a healthier lifestyle exercise diet activity mental stimulation i mean what I describe, some people are going to say, well, that sounds like hell. Others are going to say, that sounds like utopia. Well, it's it's neither. It's it's something in between. But it's doable. And are we going to transform, you know, the Seneca Nation or, you know, or, you know, the the Tuscarora Nation or the, you know, Oneida Nation? No, no. And I'm not even suggesting that we try. I'm saying let's, let's do a community. I'm not talking about tr- trying to do something on some, you know, huge you know um platform i'm I'm saying let's start with a community a a small community that's where these transition towns and this idea of sustainable communities look there are things that we can do within a community we can for all intents and purposes you know do away with um uh, our dependency or our over dependency uh, even on, on u.s currency or canadian currency or any of it and I'm not just talking about a barter system. I mean, I am to some extent, but there's ways that we can just give value to each other and just keep track of it. I mean, look, we t- we talk about credit. I remember back in the day <laughs> when you go down to the corner store, you could send your kid down to the corner store to pick up groceries, and then you went in and you and you paid for your groceries, uh, you know, once a week or whatever else. There was no, there was barely any, uh, you know, you, you didn't have to send a kid down with money. We don't even have, I mean, and of course, some people exploited it, but, but again, what happens is we stop, we stop holding each other accountable. And so some people will exploit it. There's still people here uh, in this community that owe me money. (laughs) Honestly, there still are. Whether I signed up their kid for lacrosse and, you know, "Eh, I'll never pay you back or whatever. I mean, it's not the worst thing, but. 
But there are always going to be those people who take advantage of, uh, of others. Just like there's going to be those people who, who understand that culturally, traditionally, we don't measure people by what they have. We measure them by what they give. And until we start to bring some of that back, and I don't mean give even in terms of dollars and cents. I just mean, you know, give joy. I mean, give give a smile. I mean, give give some enjoyment in life. Look, everybody thinks right now the whole idea is, you know, presence. I I got to tell you, I probably got to give... I can get a bigger smile out of somebody just by taking, uh, helping them with their shopping cart than I can by buying them a gift. Holding a door. People don't even do that. So, you know, again, we have to, we have to decide how we are going to influence each other. What are going to be our guiding principles in life? Because the ones that are guiding us right now, are guiding us because of all the influences we got from everybody else, none of which came from from us. I mean, it was never our idea to be in the, to be in the life in the lives that we're living right now, to work 40, 50, 60 hours a week, struggle to you know to pull in you know five or six or seven hundred dollars a week. You almost have to make double that if you're gonna you know if, then you gotta find somebody to, to watch your kids. So you gotta pay somebody. After the school has had your kids for, for six hours a day, now you're going to pay somebody to have your kids for another three or four hours a day. When do you have time with them? When? On the weekends? Maybe. <laughs> if you're not working the weekends too. I don't know. We, we Look, what I'm saying is we need to take more control of the influences over our, our own lives and the lives of our children. That's where that that's where our future is held, in what we do there. And look, I, I not just here on, on doing not just doing a show about it, but these are the conversations that I want to have. I want some serious conversations with people who are saying, "I hear what you're saying. Let's start." We don't. Have to, it's not an all or nothing proposition either. This is something you can do incrementally. You, you can just start small. I mean, you get yourself in a, in a spot, all of a sudden you realize, you know what? I don't need that paycheck as much as I used to. You know, I, I can get by on, you know, a couple hundred bucks a week if I have this, this, and this coming to me because I because I have some other, you know, other something else to exchange, even if it's of myself. It's not the same thing as work. I mean, it is, it is work, I guess. I'm planting a garden is work. But these are the things we have to consider. So, look, I talked about some of this stuff a week ago. Um, I wanted to revisit it because I didn't feel like I, I really hit it home uh, and hit the issue as hard as I want to. So, um, we'll we'll bring the subject back up from time to time, and maybe from community to community, we can have more influence on how we, you know, on on ideas and thoughts and you know plans going forward. That's that's my hope. I want to thank you for listening. I'm John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. We'll see you. Uh, we'll, we'll be back here on uh, on Saturday. And But again, look for me on Thursday in New York City on Let's Talk on WBAI. Nyaway.